Get yourself some sandbags or some weight vests or some cool fitness apparel at freedomstrength.us. Go to freedomstrength.us. When you make your purchase, use the discount code SMN10 to receive your discount. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Steel Mace Nation podcast. Today, I'm really excited about my guest. His name is Andy Curtis. Uh, I've been uh, checking out a lot of his material online, but we actually started communicating with each other through DMs on Instagram. And uh, Andy, you've been a really good source of information for me for this. uh, I guess it's been like over a year now. We've been kind of pinging back and forth with each other. And uh, you know, you you do fitness and you have a you have a business called Max Potential, uh, but you're also um, somebody who goes on other podcasts and and this is why I'm happy to have you on here because I love this topic. You were on a podcast called We Fight Monsters, and I want everybody to know this up front before we start because I'm going to encourage you go to that podcast and look up episodes. Uh, they, they're called Meditation 19, 20, and 23, where Andy is on there. He goes really into depth into the subject uh, that we're going to be getting into today of uh, what's going on in this crazy world. So, Andy, thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Fred. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, we've been going back and forth for uh, probably over a year, and we we talked about doing this for a while now, and it just yeah. so happened that the the stars have aligned for us. So I'm I appreciate you, man. I'm I'm thankful for the opportunity. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, you know, you're a fitness guy, uh, military guy. You you worked in uh, security, or I think you're still doing security, right? Uh, no, I actually I I stepped away. Uh, okay. There was just a, a lot of the stuff going down that. Uh, Morally and ethically, I don't. I don't think I can uh, co-align myself anymore with uh, the people I used to work with. So I've stepped away. Okay. So are you uh, pretty much uh, coaching people? Um, it says in your Instagram profile you do corrective and medical exercises, and I think that's probably how we linked up through fitness. And we just noticed we had uh, similar philosophies on everything else. Yeah. So uh, I have a. I'm I'm a project manager for a restoration company. Uh, but, uh, I have a side business and I do focus on, uh, corrective and medical exercise and, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. All right. So that's maxpotential.com and, um, on your Instagram, it's at max ULLC. Uh, you're also at a Curtis 78. Uh, if people want to check them out, check you out and, uh, and like I said, everybody, go to We Fight Monsters after you hear this podcast. Um, so, yeah, Andy, thanks, man. Uh, so you were in the military for how long? And what did you learn about the world when you were doing what you did? Uh, I was in the military for 12 years. Uh, I was in combat arms as an infantryman. Uh, spent time in a long-range surveillance company. Uh, pretty cool units. I don't even think they exist anymore. Um, and then later on, I went to, uh, army special forces and I was a weapon sergeant. Um, and I deployed in the global war on terror. And then after that, I, I got out and I went into the private security sector 
Um, most of my time was spent in the government sector, um, worked for different government agencies. And, you know, in total, I've probably been to 42 countries. And when you say, well, <clears throat> what have I, what have I learned? Um, man, I could fill volumes with the things that I've learned um, over my time, you know, traveling the world, uh, you know, both, you know, hostile environments and, and other places. <clears throat> what was a big awakening for me was, you know, you, there comes a point in everybody's life, you know, where there's that, boom, I woke up, you know, maybe the things that I thought were true, were not true. And then you have to learn how to deal with that. For me, I spent a good portion of my time as somebody who very much, I was an establishment guy, you know, I, I drank the Kool-Aid, uh, everything that, you know, the government told me, I thought, man, this is gospel. It's got to be true. Uh, even though some of the things I was seeing conflicted against it. And <clears throat> for me, there was a really big eye opening after I got out of the military. I was working as an independent contractor um, where I had a buddy send me an email. It was one of those chain mails, you know, everybody gets them and it's it usually will have some kind of outlandish statement, you know, and in this particular case, it was about the Department of Homeland Security uh, establishing uh, FEMA camps. And you know, there's just a, this whole slew of stuff that this email said. And Part of my personality, who I am, the way I do business, I'm a very uh, fact-based guy. So if you tell me something, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that I'm, I'm one of those people I necessarily have to see it for myself before it can be real. And I don't know if that makes sense to you. So the email came out, and it was one of those forwarded emails, and it, said all, it made all these r ridiculous claims. And <clears throat> through my research, I was able to weed quite a few of those claims out. And there was some of those claims that were actually true in there. Um, one of them was about a report that was uh, published by the Department of Homeland Security of April 2009, and it was called the Right Wing Extremist Report. So I actually went to the government website, I downloaded the PDF, I read it, and I was shocked by the things that were in it because essentially I had never heard of a U.S. government agency being weaponized against the people of the United States, but that's what this report did. So I was so upset about it that I ended up trying to contact a number of congressmen, and I had no luck because I just kept getting the, the auto reply, and except for this one congressman named Leo Berman out of, I think he was the 6th District in Tyler, Texas, uh, the guy was a veteran, uh, Vietnam vet, um, the guy was, you know, openly uh, outspoken American patriot, I guess you would classify it as. And he responded to me instantly, uh, not with just the auto reply, but a personal reply. And when he responded to me, I can tell you, I remember the evening. It was about 1130 at night. I was packing my bags to get ready to jump on a plane at four o'clock the next morning to go to Africa. <laughs> and uh <clears throat> I'm like, hey, man, you know, I can't call you back tomorrow. I work for this this government agency and I'll be gone for an un, unspecified period of time. Um, so maybe I can contact you when I get back. And I had gone on the trip and I had completely forgot about the phone call. And then months later, uh, I was out mowing my lawn and, uh, you know, back with the old flip phones and uh, my butt's vibrating. And I'm like, uh-oh, somebody's calling me. So I pull out the phone, didn't recognize the number, shut the lawnmower off, answered the phone, 
and it was uh, Representative Leo Berman. And I don't even know where he's at now because he was really old then. Mm. But uh, yeah, so he basically sat down and we talked on the phone for about three hours and about all of my concerns that I, I sent him in the email. Um, and honestly, every one of my concerns bordered on what I consider the act of treason uh, on the behalf of the U.S. government against the people. And uh, that was kind of when when I heard an, another representative, like a government representative, somebody who works in the establishment, in the system, and he validated my worst fears and essentially told me, wow, there's really not much to do about it. Hope your vote counts and you know, let other people know. That to me was the, the most eye-opening thing that I ever saw in my life because I've seen so many places in the world that have been affected by tyranny. The, the word is tyranny. You know, meaning you're run by tyrants. It's authoritarian. It's dictatorial. Um, it's totalitarian in nature. And I've seen so many places like this. And not Go to adxclub.com to purchase a steel mace or a steel club that's adjustable, made right here in the United States. Not once did it ever occur to me that my own country was headed down that route. And it was, it was being done so in a way that was so soft, so subtle, that most people wouldn't even recognize it when they've seen it. And then by the time that they do recognize it, it's probably going to be too late in most cases. To me, that was my eye-opening moment, and it kind of ties together everything that I had seen throughout my entire time uh, being in the military and as a uh, contractor for the U.S. government. That's interesting that you used the word. It was soft, and uh, that um, – that this is something I look for. I, I, I look for overlap, uh, somebody such as yourself using a word like that. And then there's a book called Live Not By Lies by Rod Dreher. Um, and he wrote that book inspired by the essay Live Not By Lies written by uh, Alexander Stol Stolis uh, boy. Solzhenitsyn. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So he wrote Live Not By Life. So this Roger Ayer wrote this recently, I believe in 20, uh, 2019. And he talks about the Soviet Union and how um, people managed to live under that kind of author authoritarian rule. And he, he, he showed in his book that what's going on in the United States is a form of soft totalitarianism. Yeah, the, It's the iron hand with the velvet glove. Until the glove comes off, but that'll be later once they've once they've pushed ahead a little bit. So that's that's interesting. So you use that word, and and um, do you think it, like a lot of people are seeing it more and more? I, I I hear more and more people are waking up, and I'm kind of fifty fifty. Uh, you know, I'm looking to be pulled over and into the into the more optimistic side, but I'm I'm reserved still. What do you think? Man, I got to tell you, I was very fatalistic up until about uh, 2021, and <clears throat> the tide, I think, has changed. Um, I used to be the guy that, you know, I, I've done a lot of podcasts. We Fight Monsters is one of them I've done over the years, um, and for some reason, I just – I people keep finding me or I keep finding people where I get brought in to talk about these things, and um, – it used to be one of those things that, you know, I'd go on a podcast and, you know, I was around a 
an eco chamber, you know, where obviously I'm on a podcast because whoever had me on the podcast was of like mind and the people listening generally are of also the like train of thought. But yet when I would go to work and I would talk to, you know, some of my coworkers are like, dude, you're smoking something. Yeah. You're, you know, you're wearing a tinfoil hat. I don't know where you're getting all this information from. And I, and I, and I spent so much time trying to tell people, I just read, <laughs> I, I go to the, the open source uh, venues where this information is collated and I read it <laughs> I, and, and I, and I'm somebody who's fairly smart and I can read and I can decipher the information that I'm taking in and I know how to do research. So if there's something I don't understand, I can actually go to the source to figure out what that is. And this is what I've analyzed off from what I read and I can give you verbatim, you know, in many cases, what was written but people, for some reason, you know, during leading up to recent years, they just write you off as crazy. Uh, you know, they tell you, you know, you're wearing a tinfoil hat and they think you're, you know, the term conspiracy theorist, which we could talk about that term. It was a generated term by the CIA, believe it or not, uh, to discredit anybody who believed that there was a conspiracy uh, to kill Kennedy. Mm. And it was to uh, fortify the position of the Warren Commission report. That's another story. However, in 2021, you've seen more and more people that were, and this is what I've seen, receptive to me um, from online to in person, you know, to that, the, the cocktail party that you're going to. People are all of a sudden like, wow, yeah, I believe that. Tell me more. You know, whereas before it's like, yeah, dude, you're crazy. You're smoking some reefer or something. So I, I don't know. I'm very optimistic. I think that there is an awakening going on. I think that uh, it's physics. I think physics can explain what we're seeing happen. Um, basically, whenever you have a movement of any kind, movement requires, and we know this from exercise, movement requires momentum, right? It requires inertia, and then inertia turns into momentum. But we know through physics at some point, you know, the amount of force that's generated from the inertia ultimately ends up waning at some point and momentum then begins to get lost. And then you have a decline in that momentum. And then you'll see whatever movement was started on one side then starts to go down on the other side and decline. But we also have to remember that in physics, Newton has three laws, and the third law says that for every force, there's an equal force that is exerted in the opposite direction. So through physics and history, we can see this. So whenever you have a movement, let's just say that you, you turn it into two paradigms. You have a left paradigm and a right paradigm. And you'll see where one side, let's say the left paradigm, starts to pick up inertia. It has momentum. It carries up to a certain point, and then it loses. Well, remember, there's an equal and opposite reaction to that. So the equal and opposite reaction, that comes from the right side. So when this side starts to lose momentum, while this is building momentum, this side is also building momentum. This side mm -hmm. starts to lose, now this one runs. And it, it's that's where we have that balance that we've seen throughout history. One regime crumbles, another one comes up. Um, that's, that's my particular perception of it, and this is why I'm very optimistic. Okay, yeah. And I think, yeah, we're starting to reach the apex of one with the other one trailing right behind it. And that would be the, the volumes of more awake people starting to step up. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I see it. And um, I'm, I'm definitely on that side and I'm rooting for it. 
And, you know, um, before we started recording, we discussed like how, you know, people in the fitness world really experienced a lot of this soft totalitarianism uh, early on with the epidemic, with closing of gyms and uh, telling people they can't, they don't, they don't need vitamins, they need shots and masks and stuff. And um, I, I think like if the audience right now you're listening, if you try to listen, remember back to those days. And I think this is what Andy is, is trying to illustrate. Um, you know, how there's this, it's played up and then there, it's gotta, it, it's going to run its course. And there is an end that it's trying to reach. Uh, what is that end? Is it bad for us? Um, what, what do you say about that, Andy? So, and, and here we're getting some complicated things. First, I, why, why is it do you think um, that people who are health and fitness oriented have a tendency to wake up so quickly, right? We see this in the veteran community. We see this in the fitness community. Uh, we see this in, in the law enforcement community, the, the emergency services community. But wh why do you think that is? You know, why, why do you exercise? Oh, so I can perform. Okay. And also, what else? What other? What are? Because there's a ton of reasons why, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Feel good, hey. perform, be a little bit more jacked, um, be able to uh, think clearly. I mean, especially when uh, you're being physically stomped on, you you need to have some resilience so that you can think clearly. So it's it's a overall, it's everything. It's mind, body, and spirit, really. So, could we sum it up by saying that by by me? or you being as physically fit as possible, being as healthy as possible, would you say that makes you more independent? Oh, definitely. 100%. And I think that's why people that are kind of involved in, in the communities that we're in, uh, whether it be fitness, the veteran community, law enforcement community, so on and so forth, we're people who tend to understand the reality that by being healthy and fit, we're much more likely to be independent, not require uh, somebody, some outside forces uh, assistance and on top of that, not not be in a position to be under the foot of somebody who says, no, you need to do this because I said so. Well, I don't really need to do this because you said so, because I'm completely able and independent to do it on my own. So go yeah. fly a kite. Yeah, it's know? a little hard to tell a, a guy who's bench pressing 225 uh, to come over here and, and do this. Like That's an independent dude. He's not scared of lifting the weight. Or a woman. It could be a woman. Uh, you know, people who work out, like, they put themselves under physical and mental pressure all the time. So throwing a little, you know, trick out there to, to make you scared might not work on this on this uh, portion of society, right? Yeah, and I, I think at the same time it's contagious too, right? Because yeah. – so let's just say, like, like you, you, you're in the fitness community, right? And, and – the, the great thing about fitness community is like everybody's goal oriented, right? We set these smart goals yeah. and we're out to achieve them. You know, maybe I want a better PR or I want to run faster or further, or I just want to get trimmed up and, and jack, whatever it is, you've got these goals that you set. So, okay, what goes along with those goals? Everything requires logistical needs, right? So, hey, so for me to do this, I've got to eat, so, I've got to eat in such a way. I've got to maybe maybe get some vitamins that I'm not normally getting. I've got to get rest. So, oh, I, you know, I need to, you know, stay away from these things. 
So now there's the logistical things that, that come into play that are part of you meeting your goal. And it just so happens that if you meet your goal, you become more independent. And this whole, this whole mindset, it's contagious. It's contagious because now you're, like, you're realizing like, wait a minute. These are the things I need to do to accomplish my goals. So you're much more attentive to all the BS that's being thrown out there. So then when somebody tells you, um, hey, you know, vitamin C is actually bad for you and it doesn't help your immune system. Wait a minute. That goes against over over 100 years of document, documented studies that have told us the exact opposite. But you're just telling me that and you have nothing to back it. And right. the thing that you're using to back it is you're going to tell me that, well, if you do this, then you won't catch some virus. Okay, cool. That's got nothing to do with vitamin C. Right. What you're telling me to do is neglect vitamin C because somehow I'm not going to get sick when we know that vitamin C helps my immune system right. to keep me from getting sick. The average person in the fitness community says, that doesn't make sense because I'm so attentive to these things because those things are part of helping me accomplish my goals. Mm -hmm. And then when, you know, when the average person who's in the fitness community notices enough of these patterns, they then say, wait a minute, something's not right. Yes. So this is amazing when you think about it, it's such a little thing like vitamin C, but that's the thing that wakes the person up and says, something's not right here. That doesn't, I mean, all I read is vitamin C is good. I take, piles of the stuff every time i'm yeah. sick i'm giving it to my kids now yeah. all of a sudden that and vitamin d and ivermectin and all, all these things not 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 doesn't work so you already smell some rotten cheese right Correct. and you're like what's going on here and my favorite was vitamin d and that was one of the things that yeah. kind of got me booted off instagram uh in 2020 and actually caused me to start my own business uh i ended up doing like a lot of work in college on on vitamin d um, and that vitamin D is what led me to more research on how to increase testosterone naturally, how to increase it naturally within normal, normal range levels, right? Um, not exogenous levels. So when, when vitamin D was the big thing, when you heard all the media sources coming out against vitamin D and then telling you to do things like stay in your house, don't go outside. Wait a minute. Yeah. Don't get sun. Don't get sun. Yeah, your body makes vitamin D. Granted, you know, I'll tell you if you live in the northern hemisphere, if you're above Florida, from fall to spring, you're probably it doesn't matter how much outside you go, you're probably not going to get enough vitamin D to to or enough UV level 3 light to create vitamin D. But still, you know, that's why we take the supplements in the winter and that's why there's a collation between why people get sick in the winter and not in the summer, right? Yeah. Because there's a lack of that sunshine. Uh, but yeah, it was the vitamin D thing that really woke me up. And to me, it was almost more insidious than that because you've got these entities, which are supposed to be credible entities, and they're telling people, hey, uh, have have no faith in the things that your body's capable of that are actually good for you. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in the fitness community are pretty smart cookies uh, because they want to accomplish these fitness goals and they, and they want to do it by whatever means they can. They do their own research. And uh, they're like, wait a minute, yeah, this is this is crap. I mean, where's this coming from? Yeah. And the problem is, people don't know where it's coming from. And we've taken a long way around to kind of answer the question, like, where do I think it's going? Is it good for us? 
And the answer is, if you really want to find out where, where they're headed with this, you need to do your research and start figuring out who's behind the legislation that's being pushed. Who's behind the policies that are being pushed? Where's the money coming from? Who are the donors? And then when you start to figure out who that is, you can easily find the think tanks that are associated with them, find the white papers that they write, and in almost every single case, you're going to see things get tied back to organizations like the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, Trilateral Commission, uh, Council on Foreign Relations. Yeah. I, now, if I may interject on this note, I think I have something I could uh, give to the audience that's helpful because uh, I'm I'm kind of like you, Andy. I, I'm in I'm in the weeds, looking around. You're way more advanced than me, so I consider you a source of information. But the way I consider you a source of information is I busted my ass listening to every single one of your podcasts. You sent me. Oh, I didn't even mention you. You wrote three books, uh, and you sent me them, and I've been reading them. OK, so why am I telling everybody this? Because what I'm looking for from you is consistency through tons of your appearances online, what you're writing, all your DMs to me. And I'm starting to see you are a consistent source of information and I'm seeing a lot of overlap and things like that. And what I'm trying to say to the audience is find your sources of inf information that are similar to Andy. Maybe Andy could be one. This is your opportunity to start your search. Um, and I'm saying this because not everybody's going to do that kind of hard work that you just mentioned, Andy. They're not going to go look for the white papers. Sure. And, and like, you know, like I'm a crazy guy. I go to World Economic Forum's website and they have thousands and thousands of web pages. But sometimes a guy like you will actually post up a link. And I'm like, oh, I have to, I have to stop right now, whatever I'm doing, and I have to go to that link because that's a gift. You did the hard work, or somebody, or um, Dr. Naomi Wolf is is a, a great Love source her. of information. She's a liberal, so yeah. I'm not a liberal, so I use her to balance myself out, right? Yes. And then I look at where she digs up research, and I look for this consistency. And there's a lot of people, such as yourself, such as her, and. All I'm trying to say here is if you're not going to do that hard work, digging in deep, at least find people that you could trust. And how do you trust them? Look for their plethora of information and look for that consistency. And you will see that they are very much over the target. I appreciate that, man. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I always tell everybody, you know, if I'm at a family gathering or I'm at work and, you know, these conversations come up and Lately, they come up more than I've ever seen them, you know, in my entire really? life. But uh, and it's good discussion. Yeah. We need to discuss things. But what I always tell people is, I don't want you to take my word for it. I don't want you to believe me. The the last thing in in the world that I want from anybody to do is take me at my word when I say these things. I want you to, if I'm telling you, hey, this is where I found it. I want you to go there. I want you to see it. I would love for everybody to see what I saw. And, uh, you know, that's when you really, you know, it's one thing for me to tell you something. It's another thing for you to see it for your own eyes. And to me, that's just if, you know, every, every time I talk to somebody and somebody comes back to me later, I was like, hey, dude, I went there and that's crazy. Did you know this, this and that? I love that because like 
Yeah, I, I did know it, or maybe I didn't know it. Maybe you saw something I didn't see, and I it slipped by me. But, man, that's yeah. awesome. And that helps you out because now they're kind of throwing you a little pearl that maybe you passed over. Yeah. And, and, and so, so for me, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, I love being independent. You know, I don't like being told what to do. And you're like, well, how, how can that be? You're a military guy. Well, I, I, I did 12 years in the military and I stepped away and there's a reason I don't like to be told what to do. Yeah. And, uh, I, I like to be independent. I like to do things for myself. Um, I like to think outside the box. I like to solve problems. I don't like to do things just because that's the pattern and, you know, people fall into patterns because it's so easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I don't necessarily choose the easy life. I like to, to do things the way I see best to do it. And, I think that for people who think that way, fitness is kind of, we go there, right? Because the cool thing about fitness is, hey, man, I, I want to build this body or this physique. And I've got so many different ways in which I can do it. And I have chosen to do it this way because I like it best and I feel that's best for me. Okay, cool. You know, at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's a, a number of ways you can get big. There's a number of ways you can get strong. Um, and what I've done you know, with my business, I, I've tried to, there's a lot of people out there teaching great things, how to get stronger, how to get bigger, you know, how to get faster. Um, what I've tried to do is I've tried to focus my stuff more on the, on the medical aspect, because listen, there, we, we have a medical system that is broken, right? I am so tired and, and I've, I've been through it myself. You know, I've had injuries that were, debilitating and i've been told oh, it's all over buddy give it up <laughs> you know yeah. why because these injuries are they're 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 the worst injuries you can have and there's no fixing it you're never gonna live a normal life well why why i'm still able to do this this and that and i know how the body works and i know general adaptation will do its thing and i know specific adaptation to impose demands will do its own thing and I know bone models, <laughs> you know, so it's like, why do I have to listen to you and say it's all mm -hmm. over, take a pill, maybe get cut on and then just sit around for the rest of my life. Yeah. And die anyway, because you're not doing nothing. We're all headed to the grave, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. So I've kind of focused on the, the medical aspect and with the whole premise of trying to teach people. And if you become, if you ever, one of my clients I'm not trying to keep stringing you along. I, I want to get you in. I want to correct what you got going on. I want you to leave and, 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 and maybe reach out to me later on when you've got a new problem. If you're coming back to me for the same problem, I failed, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of, by doing that, I feel like I'm helping you become independent so that you can do things on your own, you know? knowledge is free. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I want to teach you, man. I want, I want to teach you how to do whatever it is that you want to do. I want to teach you how to get past this thing that you're dealing with. I want you to be independent. I want you to take responsibility because if we all took personal responsibility for things, we would not have the need or the requirement for an outside entity to be the authority over us. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I personally believe we're all born with authority and dominion. You know, I, I will say this, uh, uh, people in the fitness realm, physical culture people, they all know that, you know, if you go to a doctor, they're just going to tell you to take a pill, um, that a, well, your business model, Andy, really isn't that good of a business model, according to like big pharma, because yeah. you're giving people too much knowledge to become independent of you. They're yeah. not going to be a recurring customer. 
But Correct. Big Pharma, oh, they want nothing but recurring customers. So they're only going to cure your symptoms, but they're going to keep you on the hook. And of course, everybody in the fitness world knows a lot of these drugs have side effects that lead to other things that lead to more drugs. And how many coaches have people coming in, you know, diabetics and stuff where they get them to lose 30 pounds and they could get off of their insulin or something like that. We yep. all know this in the fitness industry. So this is, you know, not even uh, a thought. And of course, this whole story that we're talking about here, uh, Big Pharma is tied into it big time. Sure it is. So, so here's the thing. It's not just Big Pharma. Uh, and, and we can look at – so we, we'll, we'll discuss the modern medical model, for example, right? The modern medical model – is pharmacologically driven. And you can take that all the way back to the late 1800s and it goes back to snake oil, right? And yeah. I'm not going to say that, you know, oh, you know, big pharma, you know, before it was big pharma sent people out to be snake oil salesmen so that they could come up with a solution. Okay. There were people running around and were selling straight up snake oil, right? This will cure all your ailments, blah, blah, blah. And who knows what was in some of the stuff that they were selling. So remember, physics right for every action there's an equal action in the opposite direction so society or particular aspect of society realize hey we've got this problem out there you got these snake oil salesmen out there and they're they're pushing this fraudulent stuff so we need to come up with the solution to this problem and show people real pharmacology okay cool so then it starts to pick up its momentum it's got inertia uh, because of this snake oil salesman fraud scheme that's been running around society and then they realize like oh wait a minute if we want to propel ourselves what we need to do is we need to get access and placement to doctors okay how do we do that hey here's a medical university let's fund them hey we're going to give you a grant by the way we've got this great product and it's the cure to this ailment it would be great if we could teach your doctors that you're training on how to use this product to fix their patients. And now we look at it, you know, 150, 125, 150 years later, and we see this monster that has embedded itself inside of the, the medical community. And it's, it's helped form what we call the modern medical model, where you get sick. Hey, you just take this, pop this pill, <laughs> take it three times a day. By the way, we're going to upcharge you on what it costs to manufacture this. So, you know, pills that cost, you know, maybe let's say it costs 30 cents for 30 pills, you know, for us to make. And then we'll charge you a little bit for the bottle that we put in. Now we're going to upcharge it like 20 times, <laughs> you know. And if you don't got any good insurance, it's going to cost even more than that. Right. So now you've got this other thing, you know, it's, it's like this huge, huge nut roll, right? So when I was working in EMS... You know, you'd go to, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to say names. I had a patient that I picked up. Uh, she was having a hypertensive emergency. Uh, it was about 10 a.m. I took her to the local hospital uh, and I worked 24-hour shift. So next thing you know, she's somebody that was coming from a nursing home, right? So about 3, 4 in the morning, I get a call. I'm like, man, this name looks familiar. <laughs> you know, I walk into the hospital. Sure enough, it's the lady uh, that I took 10 o'clock the previous day and she's in a hypertensive emergency. Okay. She was in a worse hypertensive emergency leaving the ER than she was when I took her there. And I know this because I had access to the notes. 
right? So I'm like, I'm not going to take her. What do you mean you're not going to take her? Well, she's in worse condition now than when I brought her here. Like way worse. She's, she's about to blow a pipe somewhere in her brain. You know, she's about to have a stroke. Well, uh, we've got to clear the bed. That's so, so here's, okay. So they're like, okay, well, what I, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to take the liability of this patient because I'm just an EMT basic. I don't have the meds to deal with this person to bring her blood pressure down. It's something you should have done. Sorry. You're going to have to call someone else. I'm declining this call. So I talked to the doc. The doc's like, well, we got to clear the bed. Well, Hey doc, I can't do it. And here's why doc says, I'll just give her hydrolyzine. It'll bring it'll bring her blood pressure down. Well, that's cool. While you're doing that, I've got to go answer other calls. <laughs> Why didn't they do that to begin with, then? Okay, so here's what we look at. And again, I'm a big picture guy, Fred. I'm not a you know I don't always necessarily go to the smallest detail and get fixated on. The big picture is what's occurred here. So you have let's say like, and I was working for a uh, not 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 a, a public EMS, but a private EMS company. So I'm working for a private EMS company. It's corporate. So that, that company will do whatever it takes to, gotta get, to get as many calls as it can, right? And I have a problem with this because it starts to treat people like cattle, right? I don't, I don't deal in cattle. I'm not a rancher. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a medical professional, and I have their best interests in my heart. So treating people like cattle doesn't work for me. So that's how the, the, the public or the private uh, EMS treats things, right? So then they go to a hospital and the hospital says, we need high turnover rate because we need to flip this bed so we can get somebody else in there so that we can charge for it. Okay, so now you've got from the bottom, the ranchers who's bringing in cattle and then you've got the processing plant, which is the hospital that says, we got to flip beds and get more people in. Okay, cool. So now you get to the medical director of the hospital and the medical director of the hospital says, hey, I don't care what it takes so long as the hospital stays busy. So we keep, you know, raising our, our margins. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the insurance company, which says, hey, we want to do as little as possible to actually help the patient because we don't want to spend the money because we're an insurance company. If we're spending money, we're not making money. So you've got all of these creatures that are co-mingled together in our medical system so nobody's ever getting better and then you've got the insurance companies which are driving the medical system which tell providers and hospitals like hey the reality is if you want to be able to collect money from us you need to be able to see this many patients a day which means that the amount of time that you're spending on your patient is going to be lowered exponentially so you can fit more people through so now you've got docs on the standard practice that are collecting insurance saying i've got 15 minutes with you man i can't spend more than that so this is why when i deal with people and i've dealt with people who say hey you know i've spent 10 years on this thing i've seen all these doctors all these chiros all these physios and you're the one who helped me out well i helped you out because i spent an hour with you explaining something on multiple occasions because i taught you the correct way to move because i showed you how to fire your muscles and that's what's not occurring in our medical system. Not every medical problem requires a pill. Not every medical problem requires surgery. And if we're doing our jobs as providers, and I have a national provider ID, if we're doing our jobs as providers, we're actually helping you fix the thing that you came to us for. Well, folks, you heard it right there. Uh, Andy does not identify as a rancher, but... <laughs> 
Anything can happen tomorrow, though. <laughs> hey, man, you know, I, I'm all about self-sufficiency. Maybe tomorrow I'll have a herd of cows. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Yeah, but, you know, you um, you you expose what it all is. Uh, they don't want to help you, really. And I, I, I'm, I'm saying this is my opinion. All right, it's my show. I could say this. Um, I, I feel that that's a long-running agenda uh, because uh, to prevent overpopulation. I think there's a lot. So, yeah, it's crazy, man. Now we're talking yeah. about overpopulation, right? And so there, there's this I, – I, I'm going to tell you, man. I'm going to sound crazy. But the, the whole overpopulation is saying uh, it's really eugenicist. Yeah, it's what it is. It's eugenicist. Yes. It goes way back, and and you can trace it all the way back to the beginning of time. You know, as long as you've had, uh, like, back to feudal society, where you had kings and and fiefdoms and all this other stuff. It's crazy because the king would say, well, this is my forest. This is my land. Nobody can hunt it other than me. The rest of you are serfs, and we want to limit your population. You know, we're not going to allow you to hunt from my land because that would feed you. That would make you strong, and then you'd be able to overthrow me, right? So, you know, and then they interbreed amongst themselves trying to get this perfect uh, royal class, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, and it's moved out throughout history. Next thing you know, you've got Margaret Sanger, you mm -hmm. know, and she's starting up Planned Parenthood where they want to erase a certain sect of society. Um, we did it. We did it here in the U.S. And Adolf Hitler actually mm -hmm. took our model for eugenics. Yeah. He was he was so blown away by it. I thought, wow, these Americans really got this thing going because if you had a child who was mentally retarded, if you had a child that was diseased with a birth defect. If you had somebody that had tuberculosis, um, all these things, we just put you in a camp somewhere. Wouldn't allow you to breed. You can't commingle with society. We're going to remove you from society and thus try to create this utopian society, which back then was called progressivism. <laughs> Believe it or not, that's where progressivism, progressivism and eugenics is deeply tied. And then today we see it in, well, starting in 1972, there was a uh, document that was published called National Security Memo 200, which was drafted by Henry Kissinger, which said, oh, hey, you know, the, the world population is growing too quickly for us to be able to sustain it. Uh, people are going to be battling over resources. We need to do something to lower population, and we can do so through trying to control – I kid you not – trying to control the climate, the weather we can do it through war, you know. We can do it through all these means to lower the population so that we can sustain society. And we know that's just not true. The real science doesn't show that we're overpopulating. The real science shows, particularly in the United States of America, that people like you and I are not populating fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, we're not able to to keep society going by procreating enough. And this is co. This is this problem has become exacerbated by lifestyle. So now we don't we have a primarily sedentary uh, lifestyle, which is detrimental to health. We eat things like high fructose corn syrup. We create metabolic syndrome. We create obesity. These things affect somebody's reproductive health. We eat foods that are so highly processed with things that are you know detrimental to the your cellular health we take drugs we take uh, all kinds of interventions that have uh adjuvants in them and you know preservatives in them that you know damage our our 
our cellular structure, our DNA, our reproductive abilities, you know? So now we're going on the decline. We're not, we're not overpopulating. We're underpopulating. Right. And uh, to me, it's just a, this is my opinion. Uh, It's, it's a farce and it's meant to create a, a, a modern day feudal society where you have the extreme haves at the top, the extreme have nots at the bottom, you become a serf. And to use the terms of a gentleman named Yuval Noah Harari, who's a member of the World Economic Forum, a futurist, a, a trends-setting uh, individual, uh, a transhumanist, uh, he's all these things, he will tell you himself. He's saying, well, what we're doing is we're developing a useless class and we have to find a way. And he said it. We have to find a way. Go to sleepymonkeytrainingacademy.com to turn your pain into power. To humanely phase out this useless class. You and I hear that and we think Nazis. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And other people, I don't know what they're hearing when... That said, um, Bill Gates, uh, my computer's going to start smoking because I said his name. Yeah. Uh, he's, he did a TED talk where he's talking about uh, how vaccinations will, will help reduce the world's population. And the idea behind it was because this, this gets used a lot. They cut it a certain way. They just make it sound like I'm going to vaccinate people and the population. What he meant to say was, when people live in a third world country, uh, they'll have a lot of kids because um, uh, th- there's a lot of, of child mortality. So yeah. they'll have like three or four kids because probably one or two are going to die. It's just a natural thing that happens. So what he was saying is, but if we vaccinate them all, they won't have that many kids because they won't die from disease. But the thing is, is why... Why won't they be having kids? Is it possible that the vaccine is actually causing them to be sterilized? Which we now know that there's uh, at least a village or two in Africa that if he were to come around, they would go running the other way because there's no women that can have kids. And India. India India as well. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they're – well, this was – and I haven't seen what the latest is on it, but they were actually pushed out of India at one point over Gardasil. The research of Gardasil. And um, yeah, yeah it, it's crazy. So so Bill Gates, when he did that TED Talk, he, he mentioned two things. He said vaccination and uh, reproductive health measures. Yes, right. And you know what he means by reproductive health measures. Abortions. Yeah, and you know who his dad was, right? Yes, and he was his dad was a eugenicist that partnered with Margaret Sanger. You got it, man. Yeah, yeah, so it's crazy. And uh, yeah, so Gardasil, you know, when it was being tested over there in India, it caused a lot of reproductive problems for these little, a lot of little girls over there. And, and here's the thing. When you look at how drugs are tested, and this is what a lot of people don't realize, you know, look into these uh, FDA clinical trials. These companies, when they're testing drugs, they're not testing it in downtown you know, Chicago. They're not testing it in New York City. They're going to these uh, third world countries. And the pharmaceutical reps are going there. They're going to talk to the village elder. They're going to say, hey, man, uh, you guys need a water well. So what we'll do is we'll bring in a water well for your people. But what we need from you is we need you to try this intervention. 
So then they'll start out small, right? And I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's like 300 or less, you know, up to 300 people for the first phase. And then it's got to like multiply it up to like 1,200 for the next phase. And it's like 5,000 for the next phase, right? And as each phase is going, they're not testing this in areas where all of a sudden you start season out, you know, they're going to be like, oh man, it's because of the drug and I'm going to report it to somebody. No, they're, they're taking it to these places where they think it's very unlikely if something happened, somebody would be able to report it to the FDA. <laughs> so the FDA doesn't question it. So the, uh, the FDA has got this ridiculous process that's set in place. It says you've got to go through three phases of clinical trial and you're looking at about 50,000 pages of documents. Well, you know, let's, let's use some common sense. If I, if I own a company, right, and, and I, if I were to hire enough people to do the 50,000-page uh, application, I'm hiring an entire staff to do this. And this is going to be – it depends on how quickly I want this work done. You know, I may be paying a lot of people to do this. So I'm going to spend tons of money just to file the application. Well, it's several million dollars just to apply to the application. So now I need enough money – to not only hire the staff to do the application, but to submit the application. And this gets done in all these phases, right? So the FDA doesn't care because the money's being paid, the application's being sent in, and there's nobody complaining about it. The FDA doesn't have due diligence to do an investigation until enough complaints are made. And again, I don't, I looked this up once, I forgot. But it's like a ridiculous amount that's required to get the attention of the FDA for the FDA to say, hey, now we're actually going to investigate this. And that's a problem we have, right? So now you've got all these drugs that are being pumped into society that went through God knows what, God knows where to get to where they're at out on the street. And there's nobody to actually, you know, attest to the safety of the true safety of it. And that's why you see these lawsuits coming out later on. You see them while you're watching the nightly TV ad. Did you take whatever, you know, or are, are you sweating blood at night? Do you urinate, you know, feces, you know, if so, yeah, whatever it is, contact this attorney and you'll be part of a class action lawsuit. And here's the thing about these drugs that people don't realize. So let's just say you've got drug a and it's, it's been, gone through its third phase of clinical trials. Nobody's ever complained about it and it's being used to treat uh, syphilis. Okay. Well, that's cool. Well, now somebody says, Hey, we realize that you can also use this drug to treat gonorrhea. Okay, cool. Well, guess what? There's no requirement for any testing on that. Yeah, It's already been approved. Right. So yeah. that's, that's kind of how it works, man. Yeah, that's incredible. And if people just don't know this and they just assume everybody's operating in their best interest. So why do I have to worry about all these details? And, you know, I, I think the, the clear cut message is no, nobody is going to operate in your best interests. Right. Uh, people always operate in their own best interests. And, you know, just. I could give you a good example in a funny way. All right. This was a discussion I had at the firehouse yesterday. We were talking about the Canadian wildfires. So in order to put out a big wildfire, sometimes you start smaller fires around uh, the, the, the fire to deprive the main fire of any material to burn as it approaches. So you're, you start a small fire and you cut a line with it. And then when the big fire approaches, it, it, dies down because they can't 
it doesn't have any more fuel to burn, right? It's all done. This is wildland firefighting one-on-one. So we were just talking about, you know, self-deprecating humorists kind of thing where we were like, imagine if we were up there doing that and we actually made the fires worse, right? And then people came and said, hey, why the fires get worse? Are we going to really tell the truth that we, we made the fire worse? Or are we going to say, hey, look, we did what we were told to do. We burnt this and that's all that we know. And, you know, that's kind of how people operate, right? Nobody wants to... Uh, make themselves lose their own job. Nobody wants to put themselves in a courtroom or in jail, right? So you got this entire regulatory agency, a whole uh, you know corporation that just makes money off of off of these things. And if something goes wrong, who's going to be the one that goes, "Hey, we got to tell everybody," even if it's the secretary for making fifty thousand dollars a year, they'll boot her right out and and put a they'll slap something on her so she can't talk, right? Yep. And and you know what that, that's funny too because if you look at okay that that's 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 everything that's bureaucracy that's yeah. how bureaucracies work you know bureaucracies work based on a bureaucracy is a self feeding mechanism so w- what's a corporation it's a big bureaucracy right when you have these big corporations it's made up of several little offices right that keep this company running, right? This big corporation keeps it running. You have a bureaucracy of all these little bureaus. When you look at our government, you know, when, when I was going to school, they would say, you know, you've got the, you know, the three sections of government, right? So, but then we'd say there's a fourth branch and everyone says the fourth branch is the bureaucracy. Well, what's the bureaucracy? The bureaucracy are those special interests that say, hey, politician so-and-so, Here's the a donation of million dollars to the you know charity of your choice, which is going to help you with your tax write-offs at the end of the year. But here's what we need done. Well, next thing you know, you've got outside entities that you or I didn't vote for, mm-hmm. and they're making policy for us. And we don't even know it because we don't see what's going on behind those closed doors. And uh, yeah, I mean, the corporations are the same way. Governments are the same way. It all works the same way. And it's all about... Okay, that bureaucracy is never going to do anything that would compromise itself and own up for true responsibility where it has to face the the people or the general public where the general public might say, well, well screw you. We're going to shut you down then. Right. You know, that's now, so- isn't a corporation really, if you want to look at it another way, basically a dictatorship. There's a right. Yeah, it is. So, so then you have all these different corporations, i.e. special interests groups who are got direct phone call line right to the, every go, uh, every governor, senator, even to the president. Yeah. Um, they have their lobbies. There's tons of money flowing in. Um, and if our government is catering to their every need, isn't that almost like just having a dictatorship then? Because these dictatorships are working in unison with each other anyway. They're like a united front. I know, that's just my little weird way of looking at it. I might not be really hitting and hitting the nail on the head with that, but our government really what I'm trying to say is our our government doesn't think about us. It just pays attention to these corporations. Yeah, I think you're right. It's self-absorbed, you know. So when you're looking and and, and I, I can't speak for everybody. I'm sure you got some there's some good representatives that they go to Washington or, you know, they go to your, your local legislature. And I think that they've got great intentions. Um, but it's kind of like, um, 
when I was working in EMS, right? We just explained how the system works. I don't necessarily agree with it, but as long as I'm working in EMS, for me to keep my job in EMS, I have to abide by the way the system goes. I mean, you can do it. You, you do whatever you can do to do the best for your patient. But at the end of the day, it's either you, you go along, get along, or you don't. And that's kind of what's happened. You know, this, this, the system that we've established has been infiltrated by so many different little snakes and worms that now, unless you completely dismantle it, right, you're probably not going to fix it. And I had a conversation with a guy in my office the other day, and we've talked about this, about, you know, this, this growing uh, authoritarian, you know, dictatorship that we see evolving. And I can only liken it to uh, the bureaucracy that used to exist with the uh, former Soviet Union, right? Very Stalinistic. Um, and he's like, well, bro, he's like, there's no fix in it. There's no fixing it because he's like, neither you or I, you know, we all say, man, if somebody can just take out the head of the snake. He said, well, nobody's ever going to get access to these people because they're so well protected and this and that. So there's really no way we can fix it. And I would say, hey, you know what? To some extent, you're probably right. Uh, but I believe in physics and I believe in uh, metaphysics as well. And, uh, and I believe that, you know, the momentum will eventually run out. And what we've got to do is we need to keep being that source, you know, you know, you're going to talk to so many people in the course of the day and what you're doing with your podcast is amazing, right? You're propagating this idea, um, this concept that through this means of exercise or that means of exercise and through thinking this way, you can maintain your rugged independence, right? Well, people who watch your podcast are going to push that idea to somebody else, right? And right now we may be that background noise in the room. But guess what happens when the main when the when the main noise kind of fades away? As long as we're still there talking, we can start picking up more of that momentum, and we can start to to go the opposite direction. And it's I look at things through the uh, through the scope of unconventional warfare. You know, being a former special operations soldier, when you're waging unconventional warfare against the enemy, it's not the three day you know desert storm you know shock and awe. You're looking at the long game. And the problem is the, the enemies of Western society, and if you think they're not there, they're there. There's people that have been trying to thwart Western society for you know decades because they, they believe in this utopianist idea that ultimately falls to communism, right? A, for, a weird form of communism. And the new name for that is called stakeholder capitalism, which we could discuss another time. But eventually, if you've got people like you and I, and we start talking to people, and as momentum starts to wane over here, momentum's growing over here, eventually this is going to lose momentum, and we're going to pick that up. But it's our duty to do that. It's our duty to be that, that tough piece of meat that cannot be digested. Okay? No, really. Because <laughs> I like that. That's me, man. That's me all the way. Big uh, dried-up piece of beef jerky. Just going to give you an upset stomach. You're going to have to... Sh poop me out because you know you're not going to be able to do anything with it in your system right yeah that's unconventional warfare unconventional warfare is kind of like we dig in we create a network we establish our underground and i'm not i'm not telling anybody here you know you're going to do anything militaristic to overthrow anything what i'm telling you is we live in a new type of society where the old ways of warfare are gone we live in a society where information warfare yeah. it is the way to go the human domain 
What's the human domain? Your thoughts, your beliefs, the way that you live your life. That's the human domain. And how do we access the human domain? We access it through the things that we see, the things that we hear, the things that we read. It's information warfare. So how do you how do you combat this this insidious evil that wants to enslave people, right? That wants to censor people, shut people down, um, do teach people to do things that are detrimental to their own health and, and well-being. You have to be that tough piece of meat. You need to be resolute. You need to have that congruency, that continuity, always be pushing, you know, you need to be willing to do the hard things. You know, if, if you don't want to go through the research that some of us do, cool. Well, at least do some research. <laughs> you should be able to answer any question. If you believe something, and let's say if there's something I've said today that, res uh, that you know, resonates with somebody and they're like, man, yeah, I, and they go ahead and they regurgitate that to someone else. If you're not able to explain that, you didn't do your own homework. It's one thing to go in depth and do all the research that somebody like I've done uh, on a topic. It's another thing to be able to say, yeah, I believe this and this is why I believe it. And this is why I know, it, know it's true. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, I mean, if you just regurgitate something that you hear, you're not prepared for if that person ha has questions. Correct. Well, you know that as a trainer, right? Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind so, of that's where we got to be, man. We have to be ready to answer. You, you don't got to know all the the answers. Right. You know, nobody does. At least know where to point people if they want to know more. Sure. And that to me, I, if you can give me a seventy percent solution on a lot of stuff, um, you know, I'll, I'll go to professionals. You know, that are dealing with things that I don't know about. I, I'm the guy who asks why all the time. I, maybe it's a, a, a some kind of problem with me, but I'm the guy who asks why. Sometimes it works in my favor. Sometimes it doesn't. But if you can give me a 70% solution and I'm like, hey, cool. All right, cool. I'm good with that. Yeah, that's that's good. Uh, it's some things I've encountered, if I could be helpful to people on this, is it, you can expect a lot of resistance from people in a lot of weird ways. And uh, I've been persistent in some channels of my life where I eventually had the person pretty much just say, Listen, man, we don't beat our fists on the table like little kids and demand what we want around here. That's how he talked to me. And I was like, okay, he's copping out because I wasn't demanding. I wasn't beating my fists. I was having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but I was persistent and I was dropping knowledge. And he didn't have an answer for anything that I asked him. And that's because I was prepared and he wasn't. And he thought I would just go away with a little flick, but I didn't. He flicked me and I came back harder. And eventually he just resorted to that comment. And I said, okay, this is not going to go any further. I said, fine. But it, it bothered me and it made me want to give up, uh, you know, because I spent so much time with this individual trying to, um, this is work related. I'm being a little cryptic because I don't want to say too much, but it had to do with the, you know, the jabberoo and everything. Um, and I was pretty much shooed away, but, uh, I said, nah, I'm not going to let this bother me. I just learned how to handle people. Okay. That's the, I, I had a tough lesson. It was like doing reps. It's like getting, it was like doing bench pressing or swinging a mace for an hour. Like you gotta, you gotta fail sometimes. So I didn't get anywhere with that, but I learned a tough lesson. So, you know, how do you do this? You just get in there and do it. So know your shit as best as you can. Um, have references so that you could 
you could send people for when you run out of information for them and then just be tough. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, and here's the other thing that I, I've learned too over time. It's crazy. Uh, I had a buddy of mine, uh, and this was actually like five years ago. Uh, we were sitting at the table and the guy's like, and uh, I, I try to brag, but the guy's like, hey, he's like, Andy Curtis, he's like, you're either a genius or an idiot savant. <laughs> he's like, I, I can't figure what it is. And uh, and he was telling one of the other guys at the table, he's like, hey, Andy told me this like five years ago. He's like, and I, I didn't believe me. He's like, holy cow. He's like, it's it's apparent today. He's like, it's, it's a fact today. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, well, I just read things, you know? And, and, but so the reality is this is a guy that I had, I had spent a lot of energy on, you mm -hmm. know, trying, cause I cared about the guy. I, I mean, I love him. He's my brother. Um, and I'm like, Hey man, you know, you should, you should be concerned about this. And, and here's why. And it, no matter what I told him, you know, his, his relationship with me was great, but he's like, no, nah, bro, I just can't believe that. Well, it's funny because if we listen to the things that people say, a lot of times people will tell us the answers, not necessarily that we want to hear, but they're telling us the answer. You know, when somebody says, I don't want to hear that, that's what they mean. It doesn't mean that yes. they're not capable of understanding what you're telling them. It doesn't mean that they don't even necessarily see the, 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 the talking points or the facts that you've laid out. It just means that they don't want to hear it. And there's an underlying reason for that. And that, there's so many reasons why people don't want to hear things. Think about how many times is you have you as a trainer tried to convince someone on why you should, why you should try this exercise, why you should let me put you on a program and people come up with excuses. Yeah. Why? Why? Because they're afraid. <laughs> what are they afraid of? They're afraid of failing. They're afraid of uh, having to face what their real problems are. Yeah. What if? What if somebody has laid a belief system out, right? And this is what I had some cleaning ladies uh, when I bought my house uh, in 2021. Uh, I, I was getting ready to go overseas. I I literally just moved into my house, and literally the next day I was on an airplane to go overseas. So I try to help my wife out as much as I can. I said, I'm going to help clean the house, but I'm going to hire some cleaners and we're going to show up. Well, this is the height of all the craziness. So these cleaners show up in like, I'm not kidding you, Tyvek suits with mask on her face and goggles, like before they even go in the house. And I was literally like, stop, go away. Just go away. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. And then one of the ladies like, well, we're just doing this because we don't want to get kicked out of your house. Like, well, you're not going to get kicked out of my house. I said, I'm here. You know, I'm going to help you today with the cleaning. You know, three, three of us are going to be better than the two of you and let's get it done. So while we're cleaning, one of the ladies says, Hey, she's like, why do you think so many people are wrapped up around this mask thing and all this craziness? And, and I asked her, I said, well, you're a cleaner, right? She says, yeah. I said, okay, cool. I said, do you like to live in a, in a, in a dirty house? She said, no. I said, why? <laughs> why don't like, why don't you like your house messy? And she says, well, it's chaotic. I said, that's right. It's chaotic, right? I said, so you like to clean things, right? Why do you like to clean things? She's like, because it's it's orderly. I said, cool. So now imagine that these people who are Nazis about you know wearing the mask and taking the intervention and all this stuff, it's because they've been told a clean and orderly answer. If you just do this, life will be awesome. You don't have to think about it, right? You could be complacent, right? There's no mess. There's no chaos. You just do what we tell you, and it all fits together. The reality is 
if you were to lay it out piece by piece, like I explained to her how, how large the, the particular pathogen was that everyone's trying to protect from. I explained to her how, how large the holes in the masks were and how they were literally thousands of times larger than this thing that they're trying to protect from. It's like a mosquito flying through a chain link fence. That's the only way I could explain it scientifically, right? That's and always my analogy too. Yeah. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And and then here's the other thing that people don't think of. And I explained to her, I said, when you breathe, you you expire. What do you expire? Well, you expire, you expire some oxygen, CO2, nitrogen, and water. Okay, cool. Now we have something called capillary osmotic semi-permeability, which takes place. You're breathing that water into those holes and you're creating an environment for things to pass through both ways. She's like, wow, never knew that. I said, yeah, well, now you know that and it only arises more questions in your brain, right? So now all of a sudden something that was neat and orderly becomes chaotic and messy and you've got to really wrap your mind around it to understand it. And, and I, I, Fred, I think this is the problem that we have, you know, when somebody says, well, I don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear it because now you're telling them all these things that they built a belief system on aren't true. They've got to reevaluate everything else. Because when you said it earlier, vitamin C is just one tiny little thing. <laughs> but that one tiny little thing leads to all these other questions. Right. Well, that's that's what we're looking at. And so what I found, and you, you may think I'm giving up. I'm not giving up. What I found is that there's people who are very resolute in their beliefs. And it's like dealing with a determined enemy in warfare, right? I'm not going to change their mind by talking to them. But what they do need to see is they need to see... I'm standing firm. I'm holding my ground. I have reasons for holding my ground. I believe in these reasons. You can keep going the way that you want. You don't have to, to, to go the way I'm going, but I'm going to keep setting the example. So. And that's, that's it. You just got to set the example and, and the message I think, you know, we could, we kind of end on here is, for people to anybody listening to this, um, you got to be tough and you have to have your convictions, your values, your principles. What are they? Write them down. And they are not, they are not real. Any of them are not real. If you change them on the fly. Yeah. Right. You have to be, you have to be ready to die on that Hill. Um, and you know, like I always, on the Steel Maze Nation, I refer to everything as like warriorship, right? That's that's like my it's a little corny, I guess. You know, I'm certainly not a Spartan warrior, but that's how I vibe. You know, like I'm a warrior, I'm going through life like that, a code of, of ethics and everything. And um, you know, it's about like just being like badass. Like say it, man. Like, no, I'm not, I'm I'm being badass here. I know what I'm doing. I'm defending my family. I'm defending the people I love, my community. Those people are foreign invaders to me. I'm not going to allow them. You know, and somebody has to have that job. It doesn't matter how we think we live in this modern society where all that savagery is gone. It's not. It's just an illusion. We're just got this glaze over of us of modernity that uh, you know, we settle our disputes differently now. What in a courtroom? I don't know, but 
in the reality, it always comes down to violence of some form or another, right? I mean, you're a military guy. You know this just from the fact that the military even exists right now, right? Shut the power off for three days. See what happens. Oof. Yes. Yes. I saw it happening. We had a terrible storm run through Jersey uh, 12 years ago, whatever it was. And we didn't have power for like two weeks. And it was about, it was about to blow. You know, people were using their generators, but it was getting savage out already. So, yeah, yeah we're not, uh, I think it was George Carlin who said we're barely out of the jungle, folks. Yeah. We're, hey, look, man, in, in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> we've had, look at the technology that we have, right? We've had an exponential explosion in technology over the last, let's say, 75 years. 75 years ain't jack. Compare it to how long were we still running? How think about this? How long has the wheel been around? And then how long did the wheel remain? You know, people were still on horse and buggies in the late 1800s. (laughs) No, you know, and then all of a sudden, from the late 1800s, Industrial Revolution to let's say the 1920s, okay, it improved a little bit. And now we've just seen this explosion recently. Short time, man. Yeah, yeah, very short time. So it's incredible times, man. You know, I I think um, I'm actually exhilarated by it, you know. Um, Like, I'd rather not, like, I'm sure if I asked you, hey, Andy, if all this shit wasn't going on, what would you really be doing? And it would be nice stuff, right? And we'd be like, you know, we'd be like adding to civilization and uh, we still have that warrior mindset, whatever you want to call it. But um, at the same time, this is a battle, of, of sorts you know yeah. um and and uh people fear that uncomfortableness i think and that's not what we're designed for we're not designed to be afraid of a fight you know just think you just mentioned our ancestors you know they invented the wheel because they needed that freaking thing they were like yo we need wheels man let's go here we need you know we need to make maces out of sticks with rocks on the end you know um but it's for survival so that's that's not going away anytime soon um, until at least uh, AI completely takes over. And then maybe we don't have to worry after that. But um, resistance is vital. Think about this. If, if you could say, well, there's a trend in our society. Well, I would say probably the biggest trend in our society is that, we, that, that we're trending to become softer creatures, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's not what we were made for. No. We're not designed to be soft creatures. We were we were born in the wild, where people literally were running around with loincloths and had very limited shelter. They had to endure that, right? So you're built with that genetic memory deep in you, and it's a fact. Genetic memories are meant to be. I'm not saying you should stand discomfort. You there? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, there was a there was a drop out there for a second. Yes. So you were saying discomfort was your last word. Yeah, you should be you should find comfort and discomfort. I think that is yes. the duty of every human being that's born is to find comfort and discomfort because by doing so, you're less likely to become complacent. And what you were talking about earlier, I, I like to sum it up as rugged independence. I it's like rugged that. independence, and that's what built our country. That's what yes. took people across this nation when it was just a vast wilderness. That's what has led to the building of civilizations throughout time. It's that rugged 
independence, knowing, hey, man, I don't know the answer what's on the other side there, but I trust in myself. I trust in my God. I trust in my abilities, and I'm going to tuck my chin, and I'm going to dig deep, and I'm going to push through until we accomplish that goal, and that's rugged independence, man. I like it, man. Everybody, that's Andy Curtis there for you. Listen up. He will be back on the podcast, I hope, in the future so we can talk more about this stuff. Uh, but, you know, make sure, like I said earlier in the podcast, uh, get the get over to the We Fight Monsters podcast because Andy has three separate interviews with Mike Cusina where he gets really into this stuff. You know, this was sort of like a we hopped around a lot. It was broad. Uh, I wanted everybody to just get exposed to it. If this is interesting to you, um, yeah, go check that out and um, just be on the lookout for uh, his future return and like and share this video with as many people as you can. And Andy, I appreciate you coming on. Um, last question. I just I'm curious about the book up on your shelf there, the black book with the with the O and the sword going through it. Is that something that oh. you you could talk about yeah that's an omega uh it's uh, i developed a combatives program uh years ago for my oda and then uh for a number of years i would go around teaching it um and basically uh an, an unarmed combat and edge weapon combat program uh that i developed for my team to operate in uh, confined quarters uh you know in in the worst conditions basically you know you're you're deprived of food and sleep so on and so forth um yeah that's it's just that book. <laughs> Is that something that you sell or no? Um, so I sell uh, all my books on my website. I, I had a falling out with Amazon. I got uh, shadow banned by Amazon a couple of years ago. Unbelievable. Um, and it, it, it affected me even in my professional life uh, doing private security for celebrities. Um, so I got banned from Amazon events. Um, I was accused of being a, a right-wing extremist. Um, yeah, not kidding. <laughs> Uh, people were people were barred from leaving five star reviews. I had good reviews on most of my books, um, and if people if people were stopped from leaving five star reviews. I was getting contacted by people. I didn't know what to do. Uh, when I finally reached out to Amazon, they blew me off. Would not answer my my calls. End up speaking with my publisher. Uh, my publisher basically said, "Well, here's how it works. Amazon's the the largest uh, book distributor in the world. Uh, you either." work with Amazon or you don't because I wanted my books pulled from Amazon because they made more money than I did off every sale. And uh, I said, well, I, I don't want to work with Amazon. And they explained to me the whole list of other companies that Amazon owns. And they said, well, you either play or you don't play. And then they said, well, you can just sell it through us. I'm like, no, you know what? Screw you. If you're not willing to stand up for your authors, I'm just not going to make any money off these books. I'm going to pull them completely and I'll just sell them in digital format. And okay. uh, so- now my books are only available on my website, um, but it's okay, man. I I don't I, I to me that's the biggest compliment anybody could give me, you know. Uh, I like that, man. Yeah, that's great, man. You got a you got a different idea of of what life's about, and I think that's um, that's great. People got to pay attention to that. It's not about you know, it's not about money. It's not about getting those hot sales going and stuff like that. There's so much more to life. And uh, that really makes you happy. And, you know, I mean, yeah, you sell a million copies on Amazon. I guess you're going to be happy. But what there's a limitation to that kind of happiness. And you're looking for something different. I, I think one key thing you said earlier is, you know, you want to help a friend out. So you stuck, you kept 
working on them for all this time. And I do the same thing too. You look at the people in your life as um, so important that you won't, you won't let up on them. And, and that is a good man right there. I'm giving you that big compliment right there because you deserve it. Um, so thanks for, you know, thanks for sharing all that. And so your uh, people can find you um, at your website is maxpotential.com. Yes. Yep. Uh, okay. Yep. So there's it's, a lot uh, of stuff on there, right? Yeah, it's uh, Max 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 uh, Potential or Max Your Potential. I don't even know what my website is. Man, this is how bad I am. I don't even hawk my website half the time. It's it's Max MaxPotential.com. Yeah. Yeah, MaxPotential.com. That's you my got website. a blog on there. You could get the books on there. You got all kinds of activity. Yeah, I try to uh, you know with my blog posts. Uh, again, man, I, my, my whole thing is I want to give as much free content as I can that's going to improve somebody's life, that's going to have value. Uh, because at the end of the day, when I started this company, I started the company uh, kind of at the height of the, the COVID madness with the censorship because yeah. I got censored for trying to give out basic commonly known health information to help right. people. And I thought, man, how do I help people uh, become – more independent because if they're more independent, they're more likely to take personal responsibility and not require uh, an outside force to dictate their life for them. Um, so I said, I'm going to start this website. I'm going to create a blog. I'm going to try to give as much usable free information that people can just you know apply it to their life right away. Uh, and in the process, if somebody wants to hire me for services, that's cool. <laughs> you know, and uh, that's kind of what I'm doing, man. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, everybody, you know, maxpotential.com and um if you want you know he's uh he has two instagram accounts uh a curtis 78 and max you uh check the show notes and um yeah that's it i appreciate everybody tuning into this one again please share it andy thanks man uh great great talking to you great finally like talking to you in person and everything after all the dms and everything it's really cool um it's one thing you know technology is just a useful tool and you could use it the wrong way or you could use it the right way and i feel like today we used it the right way and um you know i, I feel a little inspiration from this i feel good i'm ready to go kick some ass man how about you you feeling good yeah. Hey, man, I, I, I always love to have fellowship uh, with like-minded people, man. And, uh, you know, you're you're one of the few people actually there's a there's a handful of people that I really go back and forth with with DMs. You're one of those guys. Um, so I appreciate the fellowship and I'm very thankful for the opportunity you've given me. Uh, man. Yeah, man, absolutely. Any Anytime uh, we'll stay in touch with each other and and uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Everybody else. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in.